Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Let, let me just pray over you, okay? And let me say this as I pray. I feel like this month is going to be an incredible month for all of us. It's going to be a great month. I can just... I don't go by my feelings, but when I feel it in my feeler, I know my feeler is feeling right, okay? <laughs> and I've been praying specifically because for you as families, there's everything from children to singles to young couples that are married, children on the way, some of you about to get married, some of you hoping to get married, some of you praying, God, help me to... No. <laughs> Probably everybody's been there except for me, but I mean, there's that moment of, of like, wow, oh, this is challenging, and there's some of you are a little bit older, your kids are about to move out and you're sad. And then others of you are celebrating, counting down the days. And there's some of you that your kids keep coming back. And then there's some of you want your kids to come back. But there's a mirror image between the relationship that happens when we say yes to Jesus. A brand new thing happens. A family is created. It's a you and God family. Old things are passed away. All things become new. There's a mirror image the moment a man and a woman say, I do. We'll talk about that today. But there's also the same mirror as we say yes to the king as a church family. It's powerful. And so let me just pray over you. Father, I pray that there's this, this supernatural download, not only this morning, but for the weeks to come over this month. Lord, that impacts us as, as individuals. And then it's translated into our family relationship, whatever that looks like. And then God translated into our family relationship. God, I love the, the words that Jordan talked about, our path just dripping. God, with your goodness and generosity, that applies to me and my walk with you, but my family and our church family as well. Dripping, God, with your goodness. Father, and it needs to because there's so many people that need to join us on this journey need to join me in my walk, need to join my family in their walk and join our church family in their walk. Because walking with you, God, in every one of those cases allows the path to drip with that generosity. People are living in a world where the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. They're living on rations. But if you'll show us what it means to be your son, your daughter, to be a family that follows after you, to be a church filled with your, your people and your spirit, it will allow that path to be extended to others as it was initially extended to us. I pray your blessing over your people. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand as you're seated. And uh, I, I, this is an unusual month, and uh, wow, what a great spring. And th listen, there's some chairs right up here. If you guys want to actually sit in a real chair, it's right here. And uh, they've got splash shields for the spitting preacher, so hopefully... I'll back up, listen, if it makes you a little bit more comfortable. Um, all throughout this month, we will be having a different speaker every gathering, which means if you're here and you hear this, this will be live. But the earlier gathering where Pastor Rowena shared, I promise you, that is really the message you'll need to hear from today. It was phenomenal, the message about, uh, about intentional grandparents, but also intentional parents, or just being intentional. I had a little boy walk up to me this morning in the church, 
and he's like five years old, and he leaned forward and said, hi, Pastor Steve, I want to show you my necklace. I made this at my cousin's church, and he began to go into this dialogue, and there's that moment of me understanding I'm not his natural father. I'm not his, I'm certainly not his grandfather, but there's a relationship that's created because of family, and there's a role for me to play, and uh, Rowena spoke so, so well this morning on that. It was remarkable, so you have to check that out. So every Sunday after the gathering, uh, you'll be able to watch that previous message, and I believe that we're also streaming online, so some, normally we don't do that during the 11 o'clock, uh, but we are today. I think we will the next couple of weeks. There will also be, in some cases, two messages in a gathering, so we're excited about that. Um, let me say this as a church family. It uh, feels like, again, the, the season is shifting for a lot of things nationally, locally, just in our lives in general. Uh, we told you at the beginning of the year that we have just really felt like of, of, of importance for our church family as we get ready to shift out of this 2020 year. Uh, we can't meet forever in a three-car garage, and we have plans, have always had plans to build out on our property, and yet the reality of the challenges of last year shifted lumber up 25% and moved some things out farther. And I have hopes and dreams, and property is a tool. It's not necessarily sacred, right? You're thankful for a tool, but at, at what point that a telegraph is no longer valuable, you get a telephone. And when a telephone is no longer valuable, you get a smartphone, right? And you shift. You use things like tools. And so we recognize that while this last year has been unexpected, and we're going to do everything we can to hold on to the things that we have and the dreams that we have, uh, setting up and tearing down in a school every single week is quickly, we're recognizing that that is not going to be a helpful moment for all of us. Anybody say amen? I'm going to say amen. Okay? We're thankful for that season. And we've done it well. I was out in our two trailers this week, and there are maps, and there are pictures, and there are logistics, and our tech teams. I mean, you want to talk about a, a like a surgical team, a surgical strike team, uh, from Paige Ackler, who originally had it, to handing it off to uh, Josh and Trish Humphrey. Anybody who was ever a part of that team, it was one of the greatest teams to ever be involved with that we are praying no longer has to exist. Okay? <laughs> And so one of the things I shared last week is that we're having, there's a church property that popped up on the market uh, that checks a lot of our boxes. Not every one of our boxes, but I don't know if you've ever bought a house, there's what checks the boxes, there's a few things that don't, those things can be adjusted, but having a place to live becomes critical. So we took our leadership team, our board, our key leaders, ministry leaders in the church family, and some influencers last week through the building, and noting that it checks a lot of the boxes, we began to engage in some real direct um, offer dialogue, okay? And that has been responded to positively, and now we're engaging a little bit more aggressively in the conversation. I want you to be in prayer this week. Uh, we don't want to have everybody know all the details yet because we want to make sure, I don't, I don't want, you know, we want to make sure that something's in play before we actually say, hey, let's take a real strong look at this. But keep your ears open, keep praying, uh, because I believe that not only do I believe uh, properties in our future, I believe there's a property in our future. Amen? Yes. Amen. Woo. Or we can just keep doing this. Yeah. This is actually kind of cool. Okay. Uh, so we'll let you know. Um, I think I covered all that. I want to talk to you today specifically about when you say, I do. For those of you who have said, I do, you remember the day you got married? Maybe, maybe not. It might be a blur. There are some things that I really want you to be able to see behind the I do that actually transact so that whether you're not married or you are married or maybe not aware that these things transact, maybe you're about to get married, you're all caught up in the dress and all that, and that's good, that's fun. But I want to tell you something. There are some 
powerful things that happen behind the scenes when you say, I do. And it could be you said, I do, 20 years ago, and you actually haven't leaned into a couple of these principles. My challenge will be for you to lean into them because God is wanting to bring his very best through you. And one of the ways he can do that is certainly through marriage. Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 9, it says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. That's just flat scripture. Amen. I'm just going to smile at you. And, and while we love everyone and we honor people and we do everything to reach people where they are at, and we are respectful in that process and we are loving in that process, we never back away from the word of God. I've been confused in my lifetime about a lot of things. You know what cleared up my confusion? The word of God. My feelings have led me astray in so many different situations and circumstances. It's remarkable that the scripture starts off with God creating male and female. And Jesus opens the New Testament here uh, partially by saying, And God, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And he goes on to say, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother. And anyone who's ever had a son said amen. amen. When it was time. <laughs> amen. And hold fast to his wife. In other words, leave and cleave. <laughs> Go. Lock down over there. Okay? Um, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer what? They are no longer two, but they are one flesh. And therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Okay? So the, the whole process, uh, wherever you are in this journey of potential marriage, it's an exciting journey. There's dating, courtship, engagement, the wedding, and then there's life together. Uh, Rowena and I, we met in college, and I think they've got a picture of our, our, our wedding picture that's uh, probably the next slide. Dave, you can get, Dave's like locked in. He's like, listen to me. Oh, I got to get that picture. Uh, this was Rowena's first husband who had hair. <laughs> And we met in Bible college, and she worked in the lunch line serving food, which in Maine, uh, it was always potatoes. And I would go through the line to get my meal, and I would try to say something nifty and nice. And then I would get seconds, because I weighed 130 pounds in this picture. Uh, a few, it's just five or 10 pounds since I've, I've gained since then. And then I would go through the line the second time, because she was still working. And many times I would drag it out, and I'd be the last person in the meal room until the till I could get thirds, because there's always extra potatoes left. And in the process, after about a year and a half, uh, we started hanging around. We started what we would call kind of dating, but the only date you could do in Bible school was sit down and eat a meal. I was not allowed to sit on the same side of the table as her. I had to sit across. There was a two-foot rule. Our dating consisted of eating a meal. But we'd eat breakfast sometimes together, but always lunch together, always dinner together. After, after dinner, uh, they allowed for walking around this uh, sidewalk that was in front of the school. We could walk together. We had to be two feet apart. Uh, if we went on, actually went into town, we had to have a chaperone. We could not hold hands. We needed to be pure. We needed to be holy. And it really helped Rowena to follow God's principles. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you just need some extra help, right? And I know that it was a struggle for her. I could see it in her eyes, but thank God for that two-foot rule, right? So we actually got engaged our senior year of college, and I asked for permission 
to be able to, uh, to ask her to marry me. And I actually, it's crazy, we were at Bible college. I couldn't take her really out on a date. So in one of my professor's, uh, I think living room maybe, uh, he, he, I was over at his house. He invited Rowena over. He disappeared. I'm there in the room. And I presented her with a engagement ring. And she said, I do. And then I was excited about the next day in class, because in all of our classes, you had, you opened with prayer, you opened in worship, and Rowena was a demonstrative worshiper, like she is today, and I sat behind her a little bit, and as she raised her hands, I, I just thought that everybody was burned by the intensity of the light hitting her ring, and coming across the room, it's burning my eyes, and it was glorious, and it was powerful, and I remember one of the guys in class, we didn't announce it, one of the guys just saw the ring on her finger, and he's like, whoa, what? What? And then everybody found out in our class, and they, uh, they celebrated uh, my good fortune and were asking questions about what was Rowena thinking in the process. <laughs> so after we graduated college in, I think it was May, she went to California, and I headed back to Connecticut where I lived, and we spent all the way until October, me working two jobs, her working a job, trying to be able to get enough money to get married, to be able to come together, to start off our lives, to get our first apartment together. It was the longest period of time. It was crazy. There were a lot of ups and downs, long distance relationship where you didn't have cell phones back then. It was a once a week phone call. They cost like 35 bucks for an hour back then. It's just crazy, sending letters back and forth. And, uh, but we came together in October, and we got married down in California, big church wedding. Half the guys, most of the guys, the groomsmen, I think there were six or seven on my side. I didn't know half of them. And uh, Rowena knew, of course, all the gals on her side, and we're in her big church, and it was like an hour and 15-minute wedding, and there's all this stuff going on. And my uncle's running around with a VCR camera, and I'm watching the video, and here comes Rowena's ex-boyfriend that she dated for four years coming to my freaking wedding. I'm going to go knock that guy out. And I'm like, and, 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 and I remember, you know, afterwards we had the reception, and there was a couple of things that they were just crazy. And then we flew back home, and we started our life together in our very first apartment. I tell you all that to say there was a lot going on, and those were cool details, but honestly, I think that both of us, if we had to do it over again, we would change a few things. I know for me, and I've given this advice, this input to younger couples, people thinking about getting married, I, I, I typically say, listen, what I would challenge you to do maybe uh, before you get caught up in all of that uh, because there's a lot of pressure for tradition. There's a lot of meeting the expectations of other people. There's a lot of keeping up with the Joneses that will actually eclipse what is really happening between the people involved in saying I do. I've challenged my own family. I've challenged some of you. Hey, get a nice spot, intimate, keep the cost down make it special, go away, come back, and then have your great big reception when you can actually enjoy it and you're paying attention. Now, do what you want to do. That's just my advice. Um, but I want to lean in a little bit to talk to you about what is happening as you say I do. And I, I, I'm hoping to peel back some of the, uh, maybe the shroud that sometimes hides this. When Rowan and I said I do, when we said I do to one another, in front of a whole bunch of people, including her ex-boyfriend, that I clearly have gotten over that moment, although I will say that my mother-in-law is still very good friends with him, which makes me a little bit insecure at times. I'm pretty sure he's inheriting everything. Um, it's true. Isn't it true a little bit? Well, no, she, she's non-committal because her mom's probably what? Hi, Mom. How are you? It's good to see you. Um, 
When you say I do, there is actually a covenant that is being established. And that's really important for you to understand because we understand partnerships and business relationships. You understand that in the world that we live in, uh, you can, I, can, I can start a business with Dave or uh, three of us can start an LLC or we can start a corporation or we can start a nonprofit that has board members. And there's all sorts of different unions that our, our civil government recognizes, but the scriptural marriage is something that is absolutely and completely different. And this world can go ahead and create all sorts of partnerships if they like, but nothing will take away from this covenantal relationship that is known as marriage that we find in scripture. That's a great spot for you to say amen. amen. Okay? And it actually is something that maybe, maybe even at times believers don't understand what is at play when they say, I do. I want you to understand this because a lot of times when we think about getting married, we think about standing across from someone, we think about making some promises and then trying to fulfill those promises for the rest of our lives. And I want you to know that's to sell what is potentially available to you short because there is power in a thing that is called covenant. This covenant is way beyond you agreeing to several conditions and promises with someone else that's saying yes back to you. Biblical marriage was not formed here on earth. It wasn't a bunch of people sitting around a room and saying, how can we work out something that will be mutually beneficial, that will allow people to navigate to a desired de uh, de destination? The heart of God looked down at man and designed this thing to be able to propel man into his best life. That's not to say if you remain single, you can't experience best life because the Bible talks very clearly that there's a mirror image that happens in marriage that actually starts with your I do to Jesus's invitation to come and follow me. Yeah. If there's anything I want you to grab onto, there is a powerful, powerful moment when you sense the presence of God, the spirit of God inviting you saying, hey, come follow me. I'm really real. This is a point when you weren't following him. He was the Easter bunny. He was packed up in a crate someday. We're all going to go to heaven if we're good people. We'll pry it open. He'll pop out, aha, here I am. And then we'll spend eternity getting to know him. But then your facade got blown up someday because somebody dragged you to church. And while standing there, boom, something hits you. And you're like, what is going on? They put something in the ventilation system. I'm not sure what's happening. I feel like somebody's here. And there is this deep wind blowing across the sail of the spirit inside of you. It's the drawing of ultimately your true spouse, the son of God saying, I want to be one with you. This idea that Jesus came to die for your sin sells so short what the creator intends for your lifetime, something that's beyond the imperfect spouse that you may find. The God of perfection sent his son to be able to partner with you in an intimate way so that you can be truly married with heaven and experience all that God has for you. I had no idea, but I mean, when Jesus began to draw me and I said, I do, there was a divine romance ignited at that moment that supersedes any other romance you'll ever experience. And I'll say this, that if you never experience that romance, you will never truly understand any other romance because that romance informs all other romances. Amen. See, there are certain things that my wife will never be able to provide in our relationship, but I am not missing anything because the true source of all of my life is provided by my relationship with him. This is bonus. Do you understand that? 
It's bonus. And my bonus has been overwhelming, but it's bonus. Because there's going to be some moments where the perfect person you discover, wait for it, they're imperfect. And this will be a harder thing to discover, but the gift that they were given is far more imperfect than they are. That's you. Um, maybe I'm just preaching to me, okay? But this, this covenant that God is establishing with you is also then, the, it's a, a covenant. It's not, not promises. Get that out of your mind. It's a covenant. It's not like we shake hands and we agree to something. It's a covenant. I'll explain it in a second. But it is the deepest, most intimate form of relationship that God offers to you. And you say, I do. And you become a Christian. And the Bible says the old is gone. The new has come. And God, his spirit comes into you in physical form. You might not understand this. He breathes his pneuma. His spirit comes in you. And a relationship begins. The spirit of God enters you. I hope you can see the, the symbology that actually happens in a man and a woman becoming one. God places his spirit within you, and you become a brand new creation. And this is what you need to understand is when you say, I do, to someone else, while it might not have all of the same workings, you are establishing a similar covenant when you stand across someone, from someone and say, I do. Now, here's the unique thing that happens. When that moment happens, there are three persons involved. In true biblical marriage, there are three that are involved. You know, you read through the scripture and you discover uh, later on, I think it's somewhere in the book of Ecclesiastes. We read this at weddings all the time. Uh, two are better than one. Yeah, we should get married because it'll be cheaper. We get a more bigger stimulus for those of you who that's, maybe hopefully that's not your motive, right? Okay. That might not ever show up. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he, when he falls and has none other to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm unless one's feet are really cold and they keep touching you with them. <laughs> but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might not prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And then here it is. Notice it. It's the suggestion. But a threefold cord is not quickly broken. And so we use that in marriage because when someone asks, you ask me to do your wedding, listen, I, I, I say no to doing a lot of weddings. You know why? Because I see the significance of this. Like, I mean, if, you, if, if, I, if I can't help a couple to understand what they are about to do, I'm not, I'm not getting involved with this. I'm just being honest with you. I've had kids call me up from old youth group stuff like, hey, we're getting married. We love it. It'd be cool to have you involved. Cool is not what we're after. Okay. You are asking me to help you and you and God form a covenant. And there are specific conditions that's required. Now, go do, go do a binding thing. Get a license. That's all great. That's not what the Bible's talking about. The Bible's talking about covenant. It's you, a man who has a relationship with God, a covenant that exists within you, saying to a woman who has a covenant with God that exists within her, partnering with one another, and God standing there in the commitment that we are going to bond together and become something brand new. I don't know if you've ever watched on TV this idea. Um, uh, what's the show uh, where they try to make their sales pitch? Mark Cuban's on it. What's the name of the show? Shark Tank. How many of you are Shark Tankers? I'm like, I'm going to go make my pitch. Walk in there. 
and how exciting people get when they have this potential idea that they pitch to Mark Cuban. There's this idea that we're going to be partners with Mark Cuban. Or those people who don't recognize, maybe they're on the show The Profit. Some of you watch it. It's a financial partner who gets involved with failing businesses. And they think they got the greatest business ever, though it's failing. And they get this individual, I forget his name, but he joins their, becomes a partner. This is a guy who's made billions of do- millions of dollars, and he jumps in to bring what he has within him to inject into this new partnership. Do you, do you understand what I'm trying to describe to you? That the day I said yes to Rowena and she said yes to me, we were both saying yes to Jesus being the third active partner in our relationship. I'm telling you, if it was just Rowan and I, we would have failed miserably. The thing that has helped us is that with every step that I've walked with her, he has never left me. He has never forsaken me. He has pulled me by the back of my hair that spiritually exists. (laughs) He has captured her heart. It's a covenant. And a covenant is beyond a promise there is actually an investment made of deep value by each person. There's such a high level of buy-in. You understand the first wedding, the first coming together of man and woman was Adam who's, don't get this little picture, little incision. Ah, we'll pop out a rib and create a woman with it. That, uh, the original Hebrew word for his rib is actually his side. His side was ripped open and the initial shedding of blood was to create this union, cost him something deeply valuable. He shed blood. He paid dearly to be invested in just the opportunity to have a marriage. And you follow along as you read scripture after that, from that moment on, as man and woman came together and had a marriage, the woman in her physical body, paid a price that shed blood and still does to this day done correctly where there is a, there is a deep investment that costs blood. Now you read further throughout scripture and you understand that this union that's possible, everyone makes payments. So the God that stands with me and has offered to walk with us has pushed in all of his chips to make this thing work by giving his son. There's a lot of people that stand and say I do, and there's like a, they're throwing up a Hail Mary, Lord, I hope we can make it. I hope we defy the odds. But there is a God when you covenant in marriage that pushes his chips all in. That's his investment. You know how I know our marriage will succeed? Because the God of the universe put it all in and banked on us. And I walk with that. It's not a weight. It's, it's a confidence. I know I can live. I know that I can be a great husband. I know that I can be a great dad. I know that I can lead well. I'll fall down, but I'll get up every single time that I'll fight for my marriage that in the, uh, in the last breath of my life, one of us will be together knowing that we've lived well. Why? Because it wasn't just us. It's the God of the universe was all in from the very beginning. And you can read some great scripture on that. I just don't have time uh, to get all of it. Um, if you want a copy of my notes, that's, I can get those to you. Let me give you a quote. It says, uh, when I said I do, I didn't just make a promise to my spouse and to God. The three of us made commitments to one another. Uh, 
that are designed to be active throughout our earthly lives. I had no idea when he pushed all in how it would ripple through my life and impact in waves. I watched my son playing this morning his guitar, and as he began to pray over you, I, I could see him become visibly moved. And it moved you. Children, parents, grandparents. And that is part of the residual effect of, I do. I do, and I do. Now, you might not have picked up on this, this, and I won't go into all the details, but I was holding my grandson Ben over here this morning, and he loves to play this, oh, I just need your warm embrace. And he, he, like, he gets on you, he like, you wear him like a coat, okay? <laughs> and I love it. And I could say so many things about uh, the Chate's little boy, Isaac, and him jumping. And I don't care if, if, look, if you bring a friend and I'm dancing like an idiot up front, just act like I'm just like the janitor or something like that. But <laughs> the, the investment for me in Isaac's life and his investment in me to come into the house of God yeah. and this to be a great place and to have fun, I don't care if you think I look stupid. Is that okay? Yeah. You and I will talk more maturely when we talk. We'll talk about <laughs> man things, trucks. We talk about some trucks. I fixed a truck this week. I drove a truck. Okay, Isaac, I'm going to do a little dance, okay? But that relational investment is, is possible because, honestly, the first time I said, I do. And it ripples. It impacts our lives one together, one another. As my, my life impacts my wife's, it impacts our kids. It impacts Mary joining our family. When she said, I do, she had no idea what she was getting involved with. <laughs> and yet, I watched her for the first time in front of you Stand up in front of you and pray over you. Now, as proud of a moment as that is in any family, and your chance is coming, and many of you are experiencing that, something happened because I was wearing Ben like a coat, right? Like human flesh, like all over me. And his mom took the microphone, and the moment words came out of her mouth, boom! He stood up, he looked directly at her, and he leaned forward because you know why? I'm just a grandfather, and that's something. But his mom was speaking in church, speaking out. And I'm telling you, kids can understand this. There's one thing to have a conversation. And then there's a thing to pray and to speak the word of God out over people. Little kids pick up on that real quick. And he leaned up, and he leaned in. And that's why I got emotional. Not just that my family, this ripple has impacted them, but it's generational, 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 generational. A covenant impacts generations. We are here because of the covenant Abraham made. It's more power. Your business will prosper and you'll hand it off and somebody else will drive it into the ground and they'll have to close it up, right? Because they're not you and they don't know what you know, right? Amen, Glenn? <laughs> Glenn, amen. At least I got paid. Okay, so there's, so there's that. But, but a, a, a covenant... Man, it, 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 it accrues in its strength, its interest, its future, a church's future, a family's future. Let me give you the second thing. A new uh, entity is actually created when you say, I do. Brand new. I've already spoken to that a little bit, but it is absolutely brand new. If you think you're going to say, I do, and they're going to say, I do, 
If you've bought into this idea that you've got this great little life going on and you've added someone new into the furniture that makes up your life, you are way off base on what's actually going on. And if you actually think that, like, you are going to bring all of your past with you, you will to a degree, but the forming of the new compound creates a brand new entity. And you won't necessarily realize this because you've been walking along, you've been living your life, you've been experiencing things based on your own actions, you reap what you sow, you're experiencing maybe some good things, some challenging things, and this person over here, they've got some things that they bring in. But the moment that you say, I do, and he says, I do as well, it is a brand new entity that is established. A new singular flesh is added on the sphere of things. When you marry, you are not adding someone to your life. You are forming a new compound. A compound is actually when one chemical interacts with another chemical, a brand new, unseparable compound is established. It's something new. It, it functions differently. It's responded to differently. It's engaged in differently. And Ephesians talks about it. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife. The two shall become one flesh. The mystery is profound that they're one. They're a brand new entity in the eyes of God. God begins to deal with a new married couple differently than he did with that man and with that woman. It's a bringing together. It is a compound, but there's a fresh new start. There's a fresh new thing. There's a fresh new relationship that God has committed to. It goes on to say this mystery is profound, and I, am saying, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. There are three, I say this over and over, and, and people don't, don't, I don't think that they actually, like, believe me. Three profound decisions that will radically impact your life, like no other decision. Number one, what you say to Jesus when he says, come and follow. Hopefully you understand that one, right? There's nothing that will impact your life like the person that you say I do to. Big decision. Be in love and all that kind of thing. Trust but verify. Is that okay? Yeah. Trust but verify. You ain't perfect, so you're not getting perfection. But listen, don't you be like, ah, somebody likes me. Woo! Okay. And the third thing that will impact your life, like, like maybe you don't realize, the church that you come into because there is a a very similar, although we don't say I do like marriage till death do us part, there is a new entity that is created. You look, read the book of Revelation, chapter 2, chapter 3. There's a message for every single church. And you know what? Every message is different because there's an identity that God recognizes. There's a strength. There is favor that's different from every church. There's a different mission. There's a different endowment. There are different giftings. There are different correction. And so when you say this is my home, this is my family. It's like being adopted by the Joneses or the, the Davenports. Mm -hmm. Completely different. Not that one is bad and one is good. Different, though. Yeah. It's deep. It is a covenant that we walk as a church family in the covenant with Christ. We are his bride. We are his local church. Okay? Um, so a brand new compound is formed. Heaven will begin to deal with you no longer individually, but deal with you as one. And the strengths, the weaknesses, the attack of the enemy, the strength of the power of God at work in your life, you might not be able to see it with your eyes, but it exists powerfully.
Read the story of Job. The enemy wanted to attack Job, but he was not able to get at Job nor his family. Why? Because in the heavens, when Job said, I do, and his wife said, I do, a bond was established. And we know that Job was a righteous man. And in that righteous living, in his covenant with God, in his covenant with his wife, some things were established beyond the I do that eyes could not see, but radically impacted the experience of children, whether they realized it or not. My kids have not faced some of the things that I faced as a child. You want to know what's different? And I'm thankful for this. This is not a criticism. The covenant that God made with me was something my parents didn't have. And as much as my parents, they're still married today. They've been married 50 years. It's miraculous, I can assure you. The police have been in our house a number of times, okay, as a kid growing up. They made a covenant each with the Lord, and so their marriage continues strong, and they're in their 70s. But my children have not experienced those moments. Why? Because the covenant I made with God, the covenant Rowena made it with God, and the covenant we made with each other formed something seen in the natural, also experienced in the supernatural. Your covenant that creates the new thing actually forms protective borders for your children. Some of you, you might not understand this. You might not realize how powerful this is, but I'm telling you, you carry an authority and a strength with you. There's one thing, I'll just give you just a little view. And there's a reason. When I was a younger man, um, and my background would come out, my, my family was plagued with all sorts of sexual sin and pornography. I've shared that before. Um, and, of course, that's not part of my family's life anymore. But as a young man, the things that would draw at me and want to pull my heart out one of the driving motivators for me to overcome any, any desire to engage with pornography had less to do with me and my relationship with God. What it had to do with is if I allow the enemy to breach the protective wall in this area, though my kids may never find this, the enemy has access with this. And so my motivator was to succeed on behalf of my children. And I'm not saying that every little thing that I do creates wedges for my kids, but there is a reality. This Job's family was protected in ways not seen by the eyes. I mean, the kids, what are they doing? They're feasting. They're partying. The enemy's trying to attack them, and they're oblivious. They have no idea that they're safe. You know why they're safe? Because I do. I do. God said, I do too. Now, some of you, you've been married for a while. And this is like, whoa, whoa, what are we, t- what? I just thought we just, special day, took some pictures. Got a ring. Hope to get a better one when I can afford it. You can, you push in on this now, after the fact. You're part of a three-strand cord. It's not just the two of you. It's amazing. Heaven is part... Forget Mark Cuban, well, literally, but you know, respect for things accomplished, but I wouldn't be as excited about going into business there. Um, there's a lot of people that I would respect, but there's no partnership on earth that's like his. There's no set of resources available to any other partner than the resources allowed to the God of creation who said, I do, when we said, I do. It's amazing. I have time for this last part. Stand with me.
going to preach a little bit on, on man and woman and our mutual submission to one another that creates a dynamic partnership as we're submitted with God and how those of you guys who think, woman, submit to me, I'm, I'm a man of God. You know, the Bible says that you need to love your wife like Christ loved the church so there's a higher level of submission that you actually have than she does. <laughs> you might have the responsibility for leading your home, but uh, you can lead your home by treating your wife any less honorably than Christ treats you. And he gave his life for you. God's got great things for your future. He's got great things for you right now. Let's look around this room and just think about you guys who are getting married soon. What an exciting, what exciting days that are coming. Just pray for blessing over you guys this morning. It's Shane, right? Yeah. One thought, I can't find my keys, but I remembered your name, which is awesome. I'm believing for, I don't know the past. I'm trusting that Jesus is center. If he's center, he's saying I do. When you say you do, come on, it's going to be good, right? It's going to be good. It's going to be good. God's got good things. God has got good things. He's got good things, right? For those of you who are single, dream big. Become the greatest person. Dream big. I don't care if you're in the 70s. Keep dreaming. Still some spunk left in you? Why not? Start with your relationship with him, though. Come on, with your hands raised. Jesus, I covenant with you. I covenant with you first and foremost. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. In that kingdom, there is a wedding feast. As I respond to you and I respond again this morning, I say yes. Come on, say it with me. I say yes. I say yes, Jesus. I say yes, Jesus. I say yes. Ooh, I say yes. I say yes. I don't know why you want me. I don't know what you see in me. I'm flawed. My dress is dirty. Not a worthy, not worthy of saying yes, but scripture teaches me. You clean me up. You wash me. You cleanse me. You strengthen me. You celebrate me. You put me up in front of the rest of the crowd and you say, this is mine. This is my beloved. And I don't know any other way than to respond by saying yes. I say yes again, again, again today. God, I pray that regardless of where we are in our relationships, that our yes to you, that covenant informs all other relationships and all other covenants. And I speak blessing over singles, over weddings to be, weddings that have been, weddings that right now are challenged, but weddings were, that are going well and people are leaning forward. And that, that partnership God with you is informing business and having kids and starting new exploits and, and getting involved with ministry and taking ground and dreaming big because we're partnered with you. So we say yes. We say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.